Offense, play fast. Defense, swarm. Swarm and tackle. Attack. We get out block them. We get out tackle them. We get out hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out block them, you out tackle them, you out hit them, and you out hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt. It is week 10. This is RJ Bell's dream preview, the college football edition. I am AJ Hoffman. He is Scott Seidenberg. Hello, Scott. AJ, it's not week 10, it's week one. Oh. Because the first official college football playoff rankings are out. And that's really what we care about moving forward now for the remainder of the college football season. Yes, we're going to try and win money on these games. Yes, we're going to try and win our contest selections. But in regards to crowning a national champion, what we care about are the college football playoff rankings. And here on Tuesday night, Halloween, October 31st, we had the first of what will be several college football playoff rankings unveiled. Yeah, and... I don't know where the cutoff is for teams that you can probably forget about already. It feels like it's probably about 10, Uh, you know, maybe, maybe a little short of that, maybe eight. Um, But I will say this with Oklahoma losing last week, people are already talking about the big 12 champion, probably being the left out team. It's possible. And I I think, and I said this after Texas beat, or after uh, Oklahoma beat Texas, that Texas was the only one-loss team from the Big 12 that could win mm-hmm. because they still have that that ace in the hole of we beat Alabama at their house, and that win is going to to it looks like it's going to hold up. And Texas also has the benefit of being able to avenge their loss yes. by beating Oklahoma. And even though they're not undefeated, when you do that, you have the ability to say you beat everybody on your schedule yep. and Oklahoma lost to a backup quarterback. I mean, let's, let's just call it what it is. Mm-hmm. And we've said before, Jason Bean's pretty good, but you can't lose that game if you're a national championship team. So uh, here's the, the top. And I was, were you surprised to see Ohio state at number one? I guess that's the opening question. Were you surprised? Mm-hmm. I mean, all we've heard all season long, Georgia, somebody's got to beat Georgia. They yeah. Won three I, I was surprised one, one, straight. I was surprised just because they're the champs. They're the defending two-time champs. Yes, they haven't looked great, but there's no reason to not have them number one. Okay. Yeah. I I mean, Ohio State, number one. They're number three in the AP and the coaches poll. So uh, take it for what you will. But they do have that win over Notre Dame. Uh, Maybe that's what's uh, kind of boosting them up a little bit. But – doesn't really matter as long as you make that top four. And right now the top four are Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and then Washington is fifth, the other unbeaten team. And I say the other unbeaten team, I know Air Force exists. I know James Madison exists. But for the the purposes of talking about the CFB playoff, those teams really don't exist. So, uh, but I, th- I think now if I said, Scott, who is the most likely team to make the college football playoff? Like if you said you, you've got, there's a, a bomb that's going to go off in your house. If this team doesn't make the college football playoff, which team would you pick? That's outside this bubble right nope, now. Nope. Any, any of them at all. 
any team right now any that's team likely to get to the college football playoff. The most likely team. The most likely team. Because I have a theory on this. Okay. The most likely team to get to the college football playoff? Florida State. I think you're right. I, I, I don't see where their potential loss is even. Uh, they play in a conference that has really just kind of fallen off beside them. Like we talked early in the season, we were talking about Miami. They're out. Early in the season, we were talking about North Carolina. They're out. The, the, only, the two teams in the ACC that have one loss are Louisville and Virginia Tech. They play each other this week, so there's only going to be one team with one loss left. And I don't think either of those teams are good enough to beat Florida State in a, in a potential championship game. And then Florida State's got, I mean, they've got Pitt, Miami, Free Square against North Alabama, and then they're at Florida to close the season, and Florida's no good. I mean, they're really set up with a, a nice – it, it would shock me if Florida State doesn't finish the season 13-0 and yeah, and, and on their way to the playoffs. So uh, beating Clemson, beating Duke, the, the beating LSU, the hard work is done. It's all out of the way. Now they've just got to not have a massive misstep. And you can't say that about any other team. You know, even Georgia, as good as they've looked – and this brought me to the next question. Let's say in an SEC championship, one loss Alabama beats undefeated Georgia. Who who goes to the playoff? Let's and that, now let's assume this. Let's assume the Big Ten champion is unbeaten. Mm-hmm. Let's assume Washington is unbeaten. Mm-hmm. And let's assume that the um, Florida State is unbeaten. Who go? Who gets that fourth spot? It's got to be Alabama. What if there's a one-loss Big 12 champion Texas that beat Alabama head-to-head? And people will argue that head-to-head matters and that you have to have head-to-head. But if Alabama beats an undefeated Georgia team in the SEC championship game, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but think about this. If Alabama beats yeah. an undefeated SEC champion Georgia in the cha- in SEC East champion undefeated yep. Two-time national champ, whatever, in the SEC championship game, that's a better win than Texas beating Alabama, and Alabama's loss to Texas is a better loss than Texas losing to Oklahoma. And it's also a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of situation. And I'm sorry. I know the argument's going to be, and that's why we, we're going to have an expanded playoff. This is going to play Texas, itself out. Texas won at I Alabama. understand that. I understand no, a, a that. Texas win at Alabama is better than a neutral win for Alabama over Georgia. It won't be viewed that way. I think it, a the team only, that the hasn't lost it won't yet. be viewed that way because Georgia's the two-time defending national champion. Is because the it, it would blow people's minds if the SEC didn't get a representative in the playoff. And of all the years that you can't say for certain that the SEC really deserves mm-hmm. one, this is the first time in a long time where when you say who's the best best conference in college football this year. It's not a slam dunk. Like the SEC is, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like they've fallen off like they stink now, but the, the dominant SEC is certainly not what it has been. I don't know. I don't know if they would leave to now again, if, if, if we were talking about Oklahoma state went to, uh, to Alabama and beat them in a one loss, Oklahoma state was in the conversation. I think they you see Alabama. I I wonder if Texas is a big enough brand that they get in there. And keep in mind, 
in this top 25, Texas is ahead of Alabama at the moment. And who knows if, I mean, if Texas keeps winning, I, I don't know if that, if that does, I mean, they've got a big game this week against Kansas State. Alabama has a big game this week against LSU. Uh, but I, I think it's certainly worth a conversation. That there's a real possibility if that were to happen, the SEC could get left out of the playoff, which would be insane, mm-hmm. but it's possible. Now, that said, I don't think Washington's going to finish the season unbeaten. So I, I think it'll be a real easy fix for you know for the the pollsters or whoever makes these decisions to it's a lot easier to leave out the Pac-12 champion than it is to leave out Texas but because Texas has that win but also I mean Oregon if Oregon wins the Pac-12 and they've got one loss Oregon's got a pretty damn good resume too and it, I, I mean it's and right now they are the highest ranked uh one loss team in the poll and you know, I, I don't. Their non-conference this year was Portland State, Texas Tech, and Hawaii. They probably didn't do themselves any favors there. But the Pac-12 is a stronger league right now than the Big 12. I, I'm interested to see how they'll weigh that out. So, uh, but I also will say, Utah and USC being down doesn't help the Pac-12's case. You know, it, it, like, and not just down because I mean these these schools are going to cannibalize themselves one way or the other. But the the perception of those schools is down. Yeah. Like the fact that USC, like when you think of USC now, you think, oh, they're no good. That's not good for the Pac-12. That, that's In fact, that's terrible for the Pac-12. Because when USC is not good, you generally think, oh, the Pac-12 is probably not that good then. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I do think Oregon's really good. I think Washington's really good. But what have you heard about Washington lately? Eh, are they? <laughs> are they really good? I don't know. Um when when Arizona and Arizona State, they're ruining things for a lot of people uh, in the Pac-12 because those schools aren't supposed to be able to come up and bite you. Uh, it's supposed to be a, a, a two classes, the haves and have-nots in the Pac-12. The haves are allowed to eat each other, but you can't have the have-nots come up and eat you. And we've seen it now. Arizona State almost did it to USC, uh, but we Arizona State, uh, Arizona, pardon me, just did it to Oregon State. Oregon State was looked at as one of the top teams. They're not anymore. They're out uh, because they lost to an Arizona school. So it's wildly fascinating. That's why I love these playoffs. I generally hate the idea of talking about them in week 10 because there's just so much more to happen. Of course. But that's what we do. That's that's our jobs. Well, I can guarantee you this. The one, two, three, and four that is presently constituted will not be the college football playoff. I can guarantee that as well. Yes. All right. Uh, we are coming off a, let's let's just call it a shit week in our contest. Uh, things did not go our way. We had some CLV. Didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you let's know, also just acknowledge that picking seven games is shit. It's hard, man. It is hard, but that, that everybody's got to do it. And we've got to find it. we got to find a way to be better. So let's, uh, let's jump into this week's schedule. And, you know, like... We said it on on Sunday. Even we're talking and we're saying, "Man, wh- why did we leave this game off? Why, why did we, like the things we talked about all week? Why did we leave that off?" Um, but you know, you you live and learn, and it probably it's going to take a miracle for us to uh, to to cash in this thing at this point. So that that's the goal, like the top twenty cash. So we're gonna we're gonna fight like hell to to try and get in there. But boy, it's uh it, it not not looking great right now. 
All right, let's start with Week 10 action. We'll start in the Big Ten. Ohio State minus 18 and a half mm-hmm. at Rutgers. The total here is 42 and a half. You're the Rutgers guy. Tell me what you uh, tell me what you see here. Uh, is Rutgers going to score on Ohio State? It's a good question. <laughs> yeah, they have an extra week to prepare because Rutgers is on a bye week. Um, but this is a team that lost 31 to seven to Michigan. So if we're comparing Michigan to Ohio State, I, I would say what's the the similarities between the two is certainly their defense. Yep. And so if Rutgers is only able to score a measly seven, lucky seven against Michigan. How are they scoring seven? 10 against Ohio State. Here's what I would say. I don't think Ohio State's putting up 31. That's the that's the upside of it. Is yeah. Ohio State offensively and Rutgers defense is legit. Rutgers has a Big 10 defense. For for all the crap that everyone gives Rutgers about not being a Big 10 school, they have a Big 10 level defense. But I will say this. The Ohio State has won 9 games against Rutgers. <laughs> by an average of 42.1 points per game. I saw that. The closest game was 22 points. Yeah. It makes it hard to want to back Rutgers here. Mm-hmm. But, listen, I mean, Rutgers is bowl eligible the traditional way for the first time since 2014. Yeah. Like, they got in on a waiver once since then, but, mm-hmm. like, this is the first time since 2014. Academic, they've baby. Been, they've been an actual bowl ca- mm-hmm. caliber team. Do they let off the gas here? I, no, I, I think that this is a game that you get up for. It's a home game against the number one, the newly crowned number one yep. team in the nation. It's a noon kickoff, though, but it's 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 still it's a game that you get up for. And I think Rutgers is going to try and 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 this is this is the strength of the Rutgers offense. They literally don't snap the ball until there's two seconds left on the play. Yep. they are a slow, slow. Offense. They are perfectly happy handing the ball off to Kyle Manungai, letting him get two yards, and then waiting, looking to the sideline, waiting, waiting, and milking that clock down. And that's going to be the key here. They're going to try and limit possessions against Ohio State. I can see it being close for a little bit. I just, I'm not comfortable betting either side in this game. The under is my initial lean. But this could be – I could see this game going a ton of different ways. I would not put this game on my contest card. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Uh, but I will say the the one – like the, the games where Ohio State's offense doesn't look like shit, mm-hmm. it's because Marvin Harrison balls out. And Rutgers has an NFL cornerback in Max Melton that is probably going to be following him around and and making life at least somewhat difficult on him. This is a sleepy early start. I I don't want to back Rutgers because we backed Rutgers against Michigan and it didn't it didn't work out for mm-hmm. us. But I, I I would rather back Rutgers than Ohio State. Like if you forced yes. me to play this, it would be Rutgers and with the potential that we end up looking really stupid. Mm-hmm. All right, let's look at the Big Twelve game of the week in the Big Twelve. Kansas State four point dogs at Texas. Total of fifty and a half. And this is another game where, much like the Ohio State-Rutgers game, like you think, wow, man, Kansas State playing really good ball right now. Texas, eh, hot hit and miss. But when you look at the historicals between these two teams, Texas dominates Kansas State. Yeah. And they do- they've dominated Kansas State over an era where Kansas State has been behind Oklahoma, the most consistent Big 12 program. And Texas has been wildly inconsistent. The only thing that's been consistent is they beat Kansas State. Mm-hmm. 
Um, including last year. What was it, 34-27 last year? Yeah, and Kansas State, they look like a totally new offense since they added Avery Johnson to the quarterback mix. They, they hardly needed him last week because Will Howard did whatever he wanted against Houston, but this is a different beast in, in Texas. A road game at Texas against what, what, like I said, what I think is the only team in the Big 12 left who has a national title aspiration. And part of what Kansas State has done in the last three weeks when they've looked so good is just line up and dominate physically in the trenches. And it's hard to picture them doing that against this Texas team. It's hard to picture them going up, smashing helmets with this Texas team, knocking them back off the ball and having their way. Um. Kansas State, like I said, six straight losses to Texas. They haven't won in Austin since 2011. I don't know exactly what Malik Murphy is today. I believe in his upside. He didn't look particularly special against BYU, a bad BYU team. But I think that Texas' ability to stop the run is going to be the difference maker. They're allowing less than 100 rushing yards per game. I think that's huge against this new balanced Kansas State offense. I, I lean to the horns, but I, I think the play here is the under. I, I think it's it's tough for either team to get a lot of offense on the board. Totals at 50 and a half. That's the way I would look. Part of me wants to take Kansas State. Um, you look at what they've done the past couple of weeks. Uh, they've been dominant offensively and defensively. They've allowed three points in the last two games combined and have scored 41 points in each of them against Houston and TCU. Now, those games are at home against Houston and TCU, not on the road against Texas. But hard to argue with results. Sure. And I understand that it's, you know, Malik Murphy's got upside and Jonathan Brooks is fantastic, but it's a big spot. This is the biggest spot yep. that Malik Murphy's ever going to be in or has ever been in right now at, at, the, at Texas. I'm not saying that in his life or ever, but right now, this season, this is his biggest spot. With the spotlight of the college football playoff now on Texas, with the reality sinking in that, hey, we're number seven, we got a chance, we keep winning, we keep progressing, and win the Big 12, we have a really good shot of getting into the college football playoff. It just see, I, I got to see how they play in the moment. I got to see how they do in, in, this, in this atmosphere. Part of me wants to take the point that we lost a, a point of value, but it's five and a half to four and a half, yeah, not like it matter. means anything. But I would my initial lean would be Kansas State, but I don't have a play on this. Game. All right, we're going to save Texas A and M and Ole Miss for best bets. Let's go to Notre Dame at Clemson. Notre Dame minus three at Clemson, a Clemson team that is at this point fighting for bowl eligibility. I'll take a victory lap here and say that you told me Clemson was better than Florida State at the beginning of the year. Mm. Clemson sucks, man. Yeah. This is – Dabo is – he's Jimbo Fisher light. He is slow to evolve, and it's going to cost him. It's not It's not going to just cost him like – it's going to cost him a dynasty. Like Clemson was turning into a dynasty, and now they are going to – they're going to fall back to mediocrity because he refuses to change, mm -hmm. and he's done so much for that program that they can't force him out. They are so bad offensively, and we knew that they wouldn't have any. They, there wasn't going to be a, a DeAndre Hopkins there. There, there's no none, no high level wide receivers on that on that roster, and we knew Cade Klubnik wasn't Deshaun Watson, and he wasn't Trevor Lawrence. But they haven't been able to run the ball particularly well. 
I don't know why. The offensive line is just maybe not that good. It's just a grind for them right now. And the market is still respecting Clemson to an extent because at four and four, what we're looking at them as a, like, why aren't we looking at them as a maybe bowl team instead of saying, oh, yeah, they're only, Notre Dame's only three. Mm-hmm. It, that's, that's wild to me. Uh, but a, a lot of the metrics say we should be looking at the Irish here. There's a little concern to me for me because their backs are against the wall. And this is when Dabo usually gets the best out of his guys. I lean Notre Dame. All my numbers point to Notre Dame. I don't think Clemson's good. Uh, but I could see Dabo magic here, which is going to keep me off this. Like, Because this is just where he gets the best out of his guys when we think they're all dead. Yeah, but there's a lot of stuff going on now with Dabo. Him responding to critics. Him having to answer questions yep. in press conferences that he's not comfortable doing. Um, Notre Dame's defense has forced 10 turnovers in the last two games. Meanwhile, Clemson in their last three games is a minus five in their turnover ratio. They're not scoring any points, 20 points or less in the last three games. Notre Dame, you're right. that They're the play in this game. The problem is, is that it's going to Death Valley, and it's going to a place where Clemson historically is dominant. So I don't like laying three on the road going to Death Valley, but I hate this Clemson team. I think we look at the under. I mean, I can see that 100. Where's where, where's Clemson? How's, this is one of the better defenses they've seen. Where are they and they've scored, like I said, they scored 20 points or fewer in three straight games. Yeah, and we've talked about Sam Hartman not looking like Sam Hartman. Once. Oh, Notre Dame's going to rely on Austin Estime. That, that's 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 their game. They're going to run the ball, but it's not super easy to run against Clemson either. Mm-hmm. Like they, what? So whatever we're like, whatever we're you think we're bad mouthing Clemson, and I guess we are. Clemson's defense is still really, really good. Like they, they, that has not fallen off. But you got one team playing for a New Year's Six bowl game, and you have another team that's playing for just to try to get two wins of their last couple of games. Yeah, no, and, I, and get and get to a bowl game. You certainly feel like the uh, if this is a way bigger deal for Notre Dame than it is for Clemson. But like I said, Clemson does. They, they don't want to be embarrassed. They mm-hmm. and they fall below five hundred. Now people start asking questions. Now it's like. Is, is Dabo lost it totally? Mm-hmm. So, uh, super interesting game here. All right, let's go to maybe the least interesting game on the top 25 schedule this week, at least from a point spread standpoint. UConn plus 36 at Tennessee. Um, this is a weird scheduling spot for the Vols. Uh, last two weeks, they played Bama and Kentucky on the road. Yeah. Two big games. Now they play a random independent game against UConn at 9 a.m. Then their next two games are at Missouri and home to Georgia, the two biggest games they've got left. So mm-hmm. this is like the sandwich uh, with double layers on each side. But I, I don't know. UConn beat me last week when I was on Boston College. Um, but I stand by – they got in the back door. I stand by that this team is just terrible. There's no juice offensively. Uh, they're a shell of what they were a year ago, despite returning so much. And Tennessee's been pretty good at punching down. Their 9-3 and three ATS is double-digit favorites dating back to last year. So they are pretty good in bully spots. This is a bully spot. Um, I, I was wrong about UConn. I thought UConn was going to be better than they have been this season. And you know I typically don't even like to consider Tennessee. But in this spot, it's, I would only consider Tennessee here. I think I like UConn. They got two running backs that average more than five yards a carry, uh, and th- that's going to be what they're going to try and do is just get first downs and milk the clock and limit the possessions. 
UConn's four and two as an underdog this season. Lose the game by thirty. Yeah, I mean, lose the game four, lose the game forty-two to ten. I do love UConn's coach, but it's just like, man, where? Wh- how did this offense that returned everybody from a year ago? Mm-hmm turn into a pumpkin, and I I don't totally understand it. Uh, All right, let's look at Arizona State at Utah. I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Arizona State is a hell of a two-and-six football team. I can tell you that. Mm -hmm. They have – they finally got, like, broke through, got that conference win last week against Wazoo after they came close against SC. They came close against Cal. They came close against Colorado. Came close against Washington. They even played Oklahoma State tough this season. They finally broke down the door and got a win over a a respectable team in Washington State. This Utah team, I I think we saw the tipping point last week where you you can be – there's being good at home, there's having a good home field edge, Mm -hmm. but then there's just being inept on offense and not being able to – you're not going to be able to hang with great teams – and I don't know if you're going to be able to cover against bad teams when you're laying big numbers. Without Cam Rising, this isn't the kind of team that's running and hiding from you. And you used to just seem like last year when bad teams went into Rice Eccles, you knew they were just going to get drubbed. Yep. I don't think I, I can't think of this team like that. They're 0 and 1 ATS as double digit favorites this year. And what I can say is Arizona State's still playing super hard. Like it, it was obvious last week, they are still fighting every single week. I don't typically like to bet against Utah at home. Mm-hmm. I did last week and it worked out great for me. It was never even in doubt, but there's no way I'm betting on you. I'm not betting on Utah this, this week. I, I lean to Arizona state. Don't know if I have the balls to do it, but it, it's the only way I'd look right now. So a couple of things here. Some, if, if you're someone that just likes betting uh, against the team, the dream crusher after they lose, then fading Utah would be the spot here, right? You know, you're looking at their PAC 12 title hopes, Gone, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So if you want to bet against that, you want to bet against that. I think the situation is not good for Arizona State. It's going to be cold. It's going to be possibly rainy up in Salt Lake. That's not a good situation for Arizona State to go up to. And at home, Utah going to avenge that first loss. I like Utah in this spot, especially if it's rainy. But even if it doesn't rain, 40-somewhat degrees, give me the Utes in that temperature, in that in that stadium every day of the week. Yeah, against I, the team coming from Tempe. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not as confident in this Utah team at home, even at home, than I was. Like, especially if this were Arizona State minus eight or, or plus eight, I'd be like, yeah, give me Utah over double digits. It's just like ugh, I don't know that I can get there. Especially Arizona State, they're, they're not losing anybody by double digits right now. Way better teams than Utah they're hanging with. All right, let's look at the. Uh, oh, well, we're going to save Army Air Force for best bets as well. Let's look at Missouri and Georgia. Missouri plus 15 and a half, total of 54 and a half. Georgia feels like kind of turned the corner offensively. I called an over last week in the Florida game because I expected to see more downfield passing with Bowers out. That is exactly what we got. Georgia offensively is not going to be dinking and dunking now Mm -hmm. because their dink and dunk master is gone. Bowers is gone. They're gonna. Lad McConkey is good enough that he can be a go-to guy down the field. Now they play this Missouri team that's that's pretty gettable through the air. From a point spread standpoint, though, it's getting harder to trust Georgia because the defense is good, but they're not what they've been the last two seasons. Think about this: last few handful, last handful of games, they gave up twenty to Florida, twenty to Vandy, twenty to Auburn. 
21 to UAB. Those are bad teams that they let put up three touchdowns on them. Missouri's a good offense. Mm-hmm. Instead of backing aside, I'm, I'm just going to call for another over here. Mizzou continues to be solid on offense. Brady Cook's been one of the better QBs in the country, flying under the radar, but been very solid. This could be like a light version of that Mizzou-LSU game where LSU won 49-39 and it just cruised over. Uh, I, I mean, I think Georgia's defense is still better than, than LSU's. That's why I say a light version. But if it's, you know, 39-29, we're still over by two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So uh, give me the over in this game, over 54-and-a-half. Kirby Smart in his career as the head coach of uh, Georgia, 7-0 and straight up and against the spread. Uh, oh, no, 7-0 straight up, not just ATS, but not ATS. 7-0 against Missouri. Last year was a close call, uh, but the last three games at home have been blowouts by Georgia. This is a different Georgia team. You mentioned uh, Brady Cook. I like the way he's playing football. I actually like Missouri here, catching the points. Yeah, I mean, I I can see it. Uh, so, like I said, the the defense is certainly not what it has been. Mm-hmm. So it's, I guess it's it's probably the way I'd look. But I do think Georgia is going to put up some points. I, I think this is going to be. I just think it's going to be a shootout. So I, I, I don't want to try and like guess which side the coin's going to land on. Um, let's look at Florida State at Pitt. Florida State laying twenty one and a half. Um, like we said at the beginning, I think this is the most likely team to make the playoff at this point. Um, Florida State, they just got to take care of business. Mm-hmm. And Pitt is their last conference road game of the season, and they look dead. They lost the yardage to Notre Dame, two fifty-five to five thirty-five. That's embarrassing. They lost the game fifty-eight to seven. Then Pat Narduzzi gets in front of the media and basically says, "Yeah, our players just aren't that good." I mean, what? And that then you've got all his players like quoting or quote tweeting his quote to the media and saying, "Man, this is crazy." I listen, and he, what's crazy is he's not wrong. His team is not very good. They lost six guys to the NFL. They're not as talented. They're not really that talented in general. But you can't say that. Now they're bad players who are pissed off at you. <laughs> uh, th- to me, this has blowout written all over it. I want nothing to do with Pitt right now. I, j- I think they're just an absolute dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that they. If there's a week that they're going to show up and just get embarrassed, it'd be this week. Like a week where I, I think they, they may be mutinying against uh, Narduzzi. So noted, uh, Florida State has covered three straight double-digit spreads. And in all of their conference games, they've turned the ball over only three times. Two of them were against Boston College. Yeah. And that's the key. Don't turn the football over. Score on every one of your possessions, and you're going to cover a big number here. Yeah, I think they should be able to handle it. Uh, Bedlam. Last round of Bedlam, at least yeah, as a conference yeah, lost game. a little bit of juice, but. Um, Oklahoma State is balling out right now, and they are looking particularly good running the football. Ollie Gordon, 214 yards per game mm-hmm. and eight touchdowns in the last four games. Think 214 yards per game. That's insane. Yeah. And the Oklahoma defense that through four weeks was allowing six points per game. Last four, 
28 points per game. We're starting to see some cracks. 187 rushing yards per game the last two games combined. Things are starting to fall apart a little bit. Now, I want to say I want to back Oak State here. At home, um, they are, I mean, certainly up right now. They're feeling great about themselves. But, and they're playing way better ball right now, I think, than Oklahoma is. But, man, 91 19 and 7 all time this rival this is one of the most lopsided rivalries in college football Mike Gundy 3 and 15 against yeah. Oklahoma Yep uh it's it, tough man but you know what forced play give me the home team with little brother syndrome to hang I like around that. that's that's my lean as well because also with this being the last installment yep. of of Bedlam it means more for Oklahoma State than Way it does more. for Oklahoma. Oklahoma's thinking about the SEC and all, you know, and and if you ask Oklahoma, they're probably just, for them, it's about Texas. It's about the Red River. That's all they care you about know? right now. This means more for Oklahoma State, and I think Gundy can get his players up for this, and the crowd will be up for this. I lean towards Oklahoma State if I had to make a pick on this game. But, again, that 3-15 and 15 for Gundy against the That's Sooners. That's tough. That's that. That's tough, and it's, um, it's usually blowouts. By the way, yeah, it's not. It's not close game. But really. this is going to be a hostile environment for Oklahoma to play in. Uh, let's look at the Big Ten. Penn State ten point favorites on the road at Maryland. Total of fifty one, and I think this is a chance to buy in a little low on Maryland. They have lost three straight after a five and zero start. But this is still one of the most explosive passing offenses in the country. And we saw with Ohio State, if you can get the ball in a playmaker's hands, Penn State doesn't always have an answer. Marvin Harrison, 162 yards on him. Last week, Indiana averaged 20.7 yards per reception. Over 20 yards a catch. 11, or 13 for 269. Now you're talking about like an actual offense that this is what they do? That's not what Indiana does. This is what Maryland does. We know Penn State's not going to be great offensively, so at home, I think Maryland can hit enough plays to keep this respectable. I have this at 10 on a neutral, so 10 with Maryland at home, is anything you want to give them for home field is yeah. gravy to me, so Maryland or nothing for me. What do you see? It's a, it's a look-ahead spot for Penn State with Michigan on deck. Yep. Um, that's also, you know, they had the letdown. After the Ohio State loss, you have a letdown against Indiana. How much does James Franklin now get his team up for this game against Maryland? I think it's a bounce-back spot for Penn State. I do. They're 7-2 and two against Maryland since Maryland joined the Big Ten. You cannot overlook, and I think that's going to be the, the, the focus from James Franklin, is that you cannot overlook Maryland and, and think about Michigan coming up. You have to take care of business here against uh, against Maryland. I think we just get a refo- – I think last week helps Penn State. I think you get a refocus Penn State off of that scare last week, which is why I don't want to touch Maryland. I don't want to lay 10 on the road either, but I like Penn State because I think you're going to get a refocused effort because of what happened last week. But you thought that last week. You thought coming off the loss that they would have – like they, that's why it was on our contest card, and they were never even – that was, it was, it was a loser from the first quarter. Yep. Um, I wonder if Penn State just feel, feels like that loss, losing that Ohio State game, that was the end of their season. Because Penn State, like, what are the odds now that Penn State makes the playoff? 
Well, what they have to do is they have to beat Michigan. And then and hope that, that. And that game's at home. And then they have to hope that. Hope for uh, help. No, hope that Michigan beats Ohio State. And then if there's three teams with one loss, it's going to be the highest ranked uh, college football playoff team that represents mean, the Big Ten East. You mean hope that. Yeah, okay. It's a three-way tie, I'm saying. It's a, th- a, th- a three-way tie between Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State where they all beat each other. Um, but Penn State would be the, they'll still be the lowest ranked. If they well, if Penn State beats Michigan, they're obviously going to climb up the rankings. Yeah. But then if Michigan beats Ohio State, but then Michigan drops down after the loss to Penn State, and then Michigan beats Ohio State, dropping Ohio State down, raising Michigan up, it'll be close. I don't think, I don't think there's any way. Uh, just close. knowing that, like knowing that what Michigan and, and Ohio State, what the draw is for them versus yeah. Penn State, I, I just don't see it happening. I mean, I, I think, think about dead. it. Right. So like Ohio State's one, Michigan's three, Penn State's eleven. All right, so Penn State beats Michigan. Michigan drops from three to like seven. Penn State, you know, or or eight. Penn State goes over Michigan, right? So they're probably like seven, eight collectively. And then Michigan beats Ohio State. Ohio State probably drops down. You're right, probably like five. Does Penn State then climb up to like five? It, it's it's it might be one of those scenarios where it just it's it's too much to overcome. But that's the only hope that Penn State has. I, you is know that what? Tie. I think their hope is that like Ohio State loses a game to someone they've got no business losing a game to. Sure. They, and they, listen, I mean, it would be it, probably their best chance would have been last week against Wisconsin. But because mm-hmm. what's left, but besides Michigan, is at Rutgers, Michigan State, and Minnesota. So all of those would be you know better than seventeen or you know seventeen point or more dogs uh, pulling an outright upset, which mm-hmm. seems unlikely. But I think that's Penn State's really only shot is beat Michigan and hope Ohio State loses a game that they shouldn't lose and, and then have Michigan beat Ohio State also. So the the tiebreaker is actually the combined conference record of each of the three teams' Big Ten West opponents. So that's where we are right hmm. now. So if you're looking at it right now, okay, it is, let's see. Uh, that's good news for Ohio State, actually. So, yes, uh, Michigan, Ohio State had the better record as of last week. Because Ohio State has Minnesota and Wisconsin, which is six and six. Minnesota, Wisconsin, Purdue, Michigan, Nebraska, Minnesota, Purdue, Penn State, Illinois, Iowa, Northwestern. Yeah. So it's actually right now you would favor Ohio State. Because of their Big Ten West opponents, yeah. Yep. So not not looking good for uh, for Penn State. I, I just wonder if they're they're dream crushed right now. Uh, all right, let's look at Virginia Tech plus nine and a half at Louisville. I'm RJ Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas and they got a water bottle and they got like a uh, salary chopped up and. Let's forget about them because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1, but I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try, but they're not perfect with it. And to me, that's what makes AG1 perfect is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much. Maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1. And all of a sudden, you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that, that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink and feel healthy, well, I love it. 
If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app, Pick 6. Now, what's different about this thing? I was never a big fantasy guy. You know why? Is I always worried, you know, who's on the other side? Who am I playing against? With Pick 6, you're not going against another player or players. You're going against the bookmaker. You're going against the number that they put up. So all you got to do is pick between two and six NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of the stat that interests you. Download DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with code RJ. That's code RJ. Only at DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. But age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, please visit dkng.com slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. Interesting matchup here where the strengths of these two offenses go head-to-head with the strengths of the defenses. Virginia Tech missing a starting quarterback, and even when he's been in there, they, they've not thrown the ball well. The problem is Louisville's one of the best run defenses in the country so far to date. And, and on the other side, Virginia Tech's very tough to throw against. That's all really Louisville wants to do. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to go crazy over beating Syracuse, but Virginia Tech is showing some fight here. Um Enough that in an ugly game, I could see them hanging around within single digits. I lean to the Hokies, but I prefer the under. It's the total's 48 and a half. That's the way I would look just because I think these guys are going to be banging their heads into a brick wall, both teams. Uh, but in, if I think it's going to be an under, give me the team that's catching almost double digits. Uh, Jawa Jordan coming off a big performance against Duke. Uh, Louisville, 3-0, ATS at home in the conference. I, I, I lean towards Louisville. But Virginia Tech, with their running game, can certainly keep things close. Yeah. You know, uh, what do they have, 216 yards per game in the last four weeks? Yeah. They're, the number that they— Tyron Jones running the ball well? They outrushed Syracuse last week 318 yeah. to zero. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. But again, Louisville's not going to be looking to run mm-hmm. more than likely. So it, it certainly makes for, like I said, an interesting stylistic matchup, which is, why, like I said, why I like the under in that matchup. Tulane, 16.5-point favorites at East Carolina. And I had a loser betting against East Carolina last week. They pushed a touchdown in with 15 seconds left to be uh, to cover against UTSA. Lose 41-27 as 16.5-point dogs. The point is, at 1-7, this team is not quitting. And they are competing nearly every week. Tulane squeaked by Rice last week. Squeaked Tulane, by Tulane. Rice. Tulane has won its last four games by 12 points or less. They're 0-4 against the spread when favored by double digits. They haven't won a game against an FBS opponent by two touchdowns since September 16th against Southern Miss. They've been outscored in the second half of the last two games by 32 points. This team just does not know how to put their foot on a throat. And... The ECU offense is terrible. 
what, 16 and a half at home? Team that's – they suck, but they're playing hard. I, I, I'd, I'd play ECU here. Yeah, that's where I would lean. Again, 0-4 against the spread when favored by double digits for Tulane. It's not a trend I want to go against. Not getting big separation. All right, Cal plus 24 at Oregon. At the beginning of this season, I had this game circled as a sleepy spot for Oregon. Coming off what I assumed would be a close, hard-fought road game at Utah with a huge matchup against USC on deck. Instead, Oregon just beheaded Utah, and USC is obviously not very good. Yeah, Oregon is, like I said, they are sitting at the highest-rated college football playoff team that has a loss. They want to put up style points. And they want to they want to keep their they want to keep at the forefront of everybody's minds. Hey, we're we're still really good and have a chance if when they if they beat Washington at the end of the year, it, be a team that it's going to be hard to deny. Because like you said, what have you done for me lately? They mm-hmm. say we lost that close game to Washington. Since then, all we've done is kick everybody's teeth in. If you're looking to put up style points, Cal will allow it. The Bears struggle on the road this year. They lost by 20 at Utah to a team with a pig farmer quarterbacking them and 27 at Washington. And Oregon has shown a willingness to run it up on bad teams. They have a 74-point win over Portland State, a 45-point win over Hawaii, two 36-point wins against Colorado and Stanford, and now a 29-point win over a a respectable Utah team. I think they crushed this Cal team that that has to be heartbroken after blowing a two-touchdown lead and then losing on a failed two-point conversion against so, USC. So that's the thing. How much does Cal have left now after the emotional game last week? Uh, big, you know, over 1,000 yards of offense back and forth the game. Oregon is, they only allow 12.5 points per game at home this season. And they're the best running attack in, in the Pac-12. They're trying to get Bo Nix, the Heisman. And so I think that they're going to let him in a game like this. They're just going to let him throw. And that's the thing. When you have a Heisman campaign for your quarterback and where the school has invested money in this Heisman campaign, I mean, look at all the websites you go to and you have that bow, the, the bow uh, posters, right? They're not They're going to keep running up the score. Yep. They're going to let them throw. They're going to let them run. They're going to let them score points. So they, this team is on a mission to get back to the uh, – get to a Pac-12 championship game with a rematch against Washington and then beat them. I think this is going to be a big win for, for, for Oregon at home. And you mentioned, you know, Cal losing the heartbreaker to USC. It's one thing to put up a lot of yards on Utah or on uh, on USC and ask Utah because Utah a week ago, two weeks ago, I guess, put up 482 yards of offense against USC mm-hmm. despite being a bad offense. Last week against Oregon, yeah, nothing. cut in half. Mm-hmm. And Cal against this Oregon defense, which people aren't talking about Oregon's defense, but again, 12 and a half points per game at home. It, I mean, it's arguably better than their offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this is a very complete team. I-, I-, I think they just crush the Bears here. Uh, Kansas lay or catching two and a half. Pardon me at Iowa State. Uh, total of fifty four. This feels like system play. Oh, what do you got here? Unranked. Oh, okay. Home team favored over a ranked opponent. Yeah, this feels like a massive letdown spot for Kansas. They just won the biggest win of the year, maybe over the, in the Leopold era over Oklahoma. Now you go to Ames, Iowa, to play a Cyclones team that's playing by far their best ball right now. Iowa State defensively 
should be able to take away the the running ability of Jason Bean, which was a major factor against Oklahoma. You can't really run on, on, on this Iowa State team. You have a hard time passing on them, too. 14th in overall defensive EPA, 12th in yards per pass defensively. And then factor in that the Jayhawks, when they are not at home, have struggled. They are 0-3 ATS, a minus 14 points per game margin outside of Lawrence. Iowa State's quietly put themselves in Big 12 contention. Sure. Give me the clones to handle this one. I like Iowa State here. I, I, I like them too. Again, system play with the uh, with with the unranked yep. home team. Iowa State's you know won three straight, two and one straight up uh, against F, uh, at home this year against FBS teams. I think it was a big win for Kansas uh, last week, and also last year Kansas snapped a seven game losing streak to Iowa State. Yep. So a little revenge spot. I like revenge spots at home. I like I, I like Iowa State here. All right, some agreement on that one. Let's go to the Big Ten. Purdue plus 32.5 at Michigan, total Ah. of 50.5. Purdue was able to muster 195 yards of offense against Nebraska last week, a Nebraska team that was missing basically half their roster. Three yards per pass attempt. The Purdue offense put up six points. Uh, can 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 I go conspiracy theory here? Sure. Michigan is in the middle of a sign stealing mm-hmm. uh, scandal, if you will. Michigan's going to win this game. We know that. I have a feeling, again, this is just a conspiracy theory. This is not based on any fact or anything. They're going to let Purdue hang around. And the theory is what's sign stealing? What, what, are you, what are you talking about? What advantage? We, we, we line up and we just play football, and hey, they played well. They played well, or maybe they don't have the signs. And maybe the reason why Michigan dominates everybody is because they do have the signs, and maybe that's the reason why Purdue keeps it close. I, I like Purdue here inside the number. I really do. I, I, I know that How there many are points is Purdue going to score? This is, this is probably going to be like the Rutgers score. This is going to be a 31-7 game. Okay. It, it, my favorite play on this is Purdue's team total under 7.5 points. This is, 31-7 is a cover. You're right. One team has scored more than seven against Michigan this year. That was Minnesota, who mm-hmm. put up a whopping 10 points. Purdue never scores against Michigan. It, this Michigan and, coming off the bye, though, with Penn State on deck, just feels like the look ahead And you know what? That's yeah. why I don't want anything to yeah. do with them covering the spread. Okay. That's yeah. why I just want – their defense is going to dominate. That's what they do. Their defense yeah. goes out and dominates every week. they have the signals. But th- this is the best Michigan D playing the worst Purdue offense in recent history. Um, I, I just pref- I, again, I kind of lean to Michigan covering the number. I don't know if I buy into your conspiracy theory. <laughs> and also, Purdue's defense just isn't as good as Rutgers. And yep. that Rutgers game, where was that at? In Rutgers. This is at the Big House. Like, I, I just feel like that defense is going to dominate. So I'll just that'll be my play. Actually, no, on this that one. was in, that was in Michigan. Was it at Michigan? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I just I like this Purdue team total under seven and a half more than I like worrying about thirty two and a half. It's a, like, again, it boils down to, and really, like at the heart of your conspiracy, do they want to do it? The other thing is, is like this is also a primetime game. Yeah, so it's a different uh, it's a different schedule for the Michigan team who's used to playing all those early new games, early sure. games. So and different for Purdue as well, but it's a primetime game on NBC. 
Washington minus three and a half at USC. Total Which means also it's going to be very cold. Total of 76. That's a big number. Yeah. Uh, and kudos to the teams that have figured out a way to slow down Washington's offense the last few weeks. Arizona State made Penix look bad. And suddenly feels like maybe Washington is Pac-12 good, but not national title good. But if anything can get your de- or your offense going again, it's playing against this this Alex Grinch defense. And they are so bad. They let Cal put up 49. The last five games, USC has gone 0-5 ATS by a margin of 19.5 points per game. And it, this is going to be a shootout. There's only one team that's going to, I trust, to make any stops, and mm-hmm. it's not the one coached by Alex Grinch. Uh, I, I think I like the over here, 76. I think I like Washington. The three and a half feels short given what we know about USC now, but Washington not been looking great lately, mm-hmm. but it feels like this could be the game that gets them right. Yeah, this could also be the game that screws the Pac-12 in terms of the college football playoff, though, where USC is going to win this game. Oh, it, it and, is. It. And, then, and then you're looking at, all right, Oregon beating Washington in the Pac-12 championship game and Oregon being the team that's left on the outside. Yeah. Um, and I could easily see that happening because it happens every year. Yeah. And USC, it's if I told you before the season, you got USC at plus three and a half at home against Washington, you, you're making that bet. Of course. You're making that bet game of the year line. We talk all the time when we do the Green Pod, when we do NFL, and we talk about the summer line, the look-ahead line, and what these teams were supposed to be going into the season. This is not. This was not supposed to be USC catching three and a half points at home. I know they've been bad. I know they escaped with a ridiculous win over Cal last week. They also have Oregon on deck at Oregon coming up the following week. I feel like if it's not this game against Washington, it might be next week at Oregon. USC is going to spoil something in the Pac-12. Okay. Well, we'll see. You like them this week? It's either this week or next week, and I don't like betting them on the road in, in Eugene. So I guess I'll take them this week in, uh, at home against Washington. All right, LSU plus three at Alabama. This is – it's, it's suddenly, if you told me at the beginning of the year this was still going to be a massive game, I would have said, no, you're crazy. But LSU's worked their way back into respectability. Well, I mean, the winner of this game is could very well represent the – SEC West. Well, remember, Ole Miss already beat Al- or Ole Miss already beat LSU, and Ole Miss lost to Alabama. But this LSU, well, yeah, uh, I <laughs> guess you're we'll right. Three way yeah. tie. Um, but it, uh, yeah, so it, it it's a, a weird. I guess it's a, an important game. But let's start with this. My power rating on this game is Alabama minus three and a half on a neutral, and obviously the market disagrees with that. LSU has been better. But I think maybe there's been an overreaction uh, to shutting down Army's backup quarterback and shutting down Auburn. They've still struggled defensively against serviceable quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Alabama struggled to protect Milrow, but I, I don't think that's an issue against an LSU team that's just not getting much pressure. And I, I certainly think the LSU offense is going to have some success against this tide, but this, I mean, this is such a good defense they're playing here. I, I think we've kind of forgotten how bad this LSU defense is because they played a couple teams that don't have sure, a pulse sure, on offense. Sure. And I, I do know LSU is going to play like this is the game of the year. This could really salvage the season for Brian Kelly if they beat Alabama. 
But Alabama losing earlier in the year really puts their backs against the wall, too. Doesn't do LSU any favors that Alabama has that loss because if Alabama loses this, they're out of the playoff picture as well. Uh, Saban is 12-5 and straight up against LSU since getting to Alabama. Every one of those 12 wins has come by more than a field goal. I like Alabama here. I, I think three is short, and I like over 60 and a half. I, th- I think the, the LSU put some points up, but I, I think Alabama just scores on almost every possession. Alabama second in the SEC in pass efficiency defense. Uh, if you look at the three-way tie scenario, by the way, it would work in favor of LSU if there is the three-way tie because they'll all be 5-1 and one against SEC West teams. They have no shared uh, non-divisional opponents. And so it comes down to the best cumulative conference record of the non-divisional opponents, just like in the Big Ten. So you look at the teams that they played on the other side, and LSU has Missouri and Florida, which is better than Ole Miss and Alabama's uh, opponents in the SEC East. So this is a huge game for LSU if they want that, uh, you know, that record or that three-way tie and try and get into the SEC championship game. Jaden Daniels is going to be a problem. He leads the FBS in total offense. But again, he's ridiculous. Yeah, he's very good. We talked about Alabama's defense and their passing efficiency. How they're going to handle him in the running game? We've seen Nick Saban team struggle with mobile quarterbacks at times. Um, but I think Alabama. You're right. They, they seem to be a team that has gone overlooked a lot this season because they're not the prototypical Alabama team. And you lose the second game of the season at home to Texas. But this is a prime time game in Tuscaloosa. That's a hard. How do you bet against Alabama in that spot? My thought was Daniels is obviously a problem, like you said. But you know what? He put up 410 yards against Florida State, and And they they lost lost that game by 21 points. Like he he's only one guy. And if you are a if you are an only an offense, if you if if you're a a loser on defense, and I think LSU, whatever you like. Their offense is fantastic. They are bad defensively. Mm-hmm. And these are the kind of teams that you like you can't you can beat up on some bad teams. You know, you you can uh you, you can blow the doors off Auburn and Army. Mm-hmm. But when you're on the field with a competent team, when you're at Ole Miss, you're on a neutral with Florida State. It's not that easy. Like cuz not only do you have to keep up with them, you have to stop them at some point. And I just don't know where these stops come from. Uh, the two losses, they gave up 100 points combined. I, I, I could see Alabama getting well into the 40s in this game. So, And, and if that's the case, I don't like, I don't like LSU's chances. Uh, let's look at a couple Pac-12 games to wrap it up before best bets. Oregon State minus 13.5 at Colorado, total of 62. Colorado got a nice little backdoor against us last week against UCLA. In a game they were statistically dominated in. Uh, UCLA won the game by 12. They were minus four in turnovers. They absolutely should have covered that game. Any chance of Oregon State winning the Pac-12, though, died last week uh, at Arizona. Uh, I still think they're a good team, but what I've noticed is they're not not great on the road. Their their game doesn't travel as well as I thought it would. Um, So I don't know if I want to lay almost two touchdowns with them on the road. But I also see another scenario where, like, Colorado is able to sneak in the number at the back door, whatever, like they did last week. But we saw Colorado take a lot of money last week, 
in the days leading up to the kickoff. Yep. To the point where that was our bad CLV game was UCLA and Colorado. Uh, and even if I want to play the Beavers, which I don't know that I will, I'm going to wait till later in the week to play them because late Colorado money is coming every week. Even though they, we know they stink now, their people are still betting on them. And I'm going to, I, I lean under 62 would probably be my favorite play on this game. If I, if I had to play a game, uh, 62 feels like a lot of points, Colorado, uh, Oregon state's just going to run the ball. The clock's going to be moving and Oregon state's pretty solid defensively. So, uh, and Colorado's offense just hasn't been what it was early in the season. Yeah. Colorado defensively, it was only allowed 107 rushing yards in the last three home games, uh, two and two ATS at home this season. And, they rank third in the country in turnover margin, and that's going to be the key. Can they create turnovers and try and get the short field? They, they won. They won turnovers four to zero last week. I know, and that, that's what that's what covered for them. Yeah, uh, I think they cover at home. I like I like taking them. Dion, they just had. You, you heard what they heard the story. What happened at the Rose Bowl? The kids got robbed. Yeah. from their lockers. I think there's just a lot of. Uh, a lot going on with Colorado. The Dion. This seems like the type of game. It's their last home game, or no? They have Arizona next week. But in these last two home games, these are the games that they're going to win. Get to six wins. Get bowl eligibility. It feels like this is the type of game that Dion gets his team up for. I don't think they get. I don't think they get bowl eligible. I just no. don't. I don't think they're good. Like I, st- I still yeah. think they're a bad team. Um, all right, let's look at UCLA minus two and a half at Arizona. And UCLA certainly looked better with Garbers playing quarterback. No one's looked better than Fafita. It, I mean, Arizona. he's been incredible. It was Pac-12 Player of the Week. Yep. And and honestly, Jed Fish has done one of the best coaching jobs in the country. They had no no business being even decent this year. Mm-hmm. I, it's really incredible. If they'd been able to pull, think about that. If they pulled out one, they had two road overtime losses at Mississippi State and at USC. Mm-hmm. You flip a coin, and one of those one of those two goes the other way. We're talking about a six and two. Like we're talking about a totally different conversation. Like what we think about Arizona. Uh, their their only like loss loss was to Washington. I it happens to be pretty good, they, yep. and they lost that game by seven. Now they put in a late touchdown to cut it to seven. But they competed in that game. I, I don't want to get in the way of what Arizona's doing right now, particularly not as a home dog. They just beat Oregon State outright as three-point dogs. I'm not going to come off three for a team that I think is – I think UCLA is less than Oregon State. Mm-hmm. I don't want to come off three for that. Uh, I, I lean Arizona here. I like the over, though. I, I think both these offenses have – some some solid success in this game. 51 is the total. Yeah, I, like I the think these are high-scoring well. games. Well, I think both teams made good quarterback switches. Ethan Garbers and Noah Fafita have changed the offensive outlook for both of these teams. So, And you're right. I think it is an over type of game. Um, Arizona uh, has covered four straight games as dogs. Hard to go against that streak. It really and is. At home. All right, Scott, before we get to best bets, we've reached that part of the show. Why don't you tell the people how they can save some money? At pregame.com. Yeah, in honor of the Alabama prime time game this weekend, which will be a, a rare CBS prime time game, not the ESPN game, but it's an SEC CBS game. We're going to go with Saban 10 as the promo code. It'll save you $10 off of anything 
at pregame.com. Just use the promo code SABIN10 at checkout. Save $10 at pregame.com. All right, I'll go first here. I'll go with my best bet. Boston College plus two and a half at Syracuse. Syracuse is dead. I don't know what happened to this team. This is a Friday night game. Friday night game. They are averaging eight and a half points per game in conference play. They have put up two touchdowns in the month of October. <laughs> and, and they are allowing 38 points per game in conference play. Mm-hmm. Now they see this Boston College team, the top rushing team in the ACC, 214 yards per, per game, playing a Syracuse team that is giving up 210 rushing yards per game. I mentioned earlier, Syracuse outrushed 318 to zero against Virginia Tech last week. They have rolled over and died. And Boston College playing really competent football. Castellanos was banged up last week. Reports have been good on him. And even if he is limited running the football, the running backs are more than fine to carry the load if he's got to stay in the pocket. Syracuse is 0-8 ATS coming off a loss in the last two seasons. And I think you have to really question the strength of schedule for Syracuse. They beat an FCS team to start the season. Their other three opponents are a combined 7-18 and on the season. I think this is the wrong team favored. Uh, Boston College is better than Syracuse, particularly the way they're playing right now. Mm -hmm. Both teams playing on opposite ends of the spectrum right now. Give me Boston College plus two and a half at Syracuse. All right, my first best bet, and this number has gone down, but it it still hasn't gone down enough. And that's the under 31 and a half between Army and Air Force. This game will be played in Denver. At Mile High Stadium, so yep. it's not going to be on, not going to be uh, Colorado Springs. This game is in Denver. Since 2005, unders in service academy games 44, 10, and one. Since 2012, 29, three, and one. And since 2018, 13, one, and one between service academy games, including one and zero this season. In the past nine games between Army and Air Force. They've combined for 31 or fewer points in seven of them. Yeah, and one of those two that that went over was an overtime game. Yeah, 35 points <laughs> Yeah, and, and 43 points in the two overs. Air Force top 50 in pretty much every defensive category, red zone defense, total defense, points allowed, third down percentage. Uh, they also, if you want, uh, you look at specific numbers, 237.9 yards per game. And Army is 24th. In time of possession, Air Force is first. Yeah, in time of possession, it's a grind. Both of these teams are going to look to control the clock. Army offensively a hundredth or worse in third down percentage, total yards, passing offense, red zone offense. They're not scoring. Yeah, Army's not scoring. I like Air Force actually laying the nineteen. It's just such a huge number. Yeah, it's that's crazy in a thirty-one total. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> like if it was the same number that it was the ten and a half that we got yeah. against Navy, I'd take it. Right? Yeah, you can't do that. Air Force looking to get the the Commander-in-Chief trophy for the second straight season. This game's going under 31 and a half because Army's not going to score. Both teams are going to grind it out. Played at elevation up in Denver. It's going to be cold. It's going to be a physical game. These rivalry games are important. The Commander-in-Chief trophy on the line, like I said, give me the under 31 and a half Air Force Army. I like this as well. Uh, Air Force... 
Air Force had kind of a phony final last week. They, they, they covered against Colorado State. They probably shouldn't have. They were outstatted by Colorado State last week. And Army, again, was a be- it was a best bet loser for me, Lo- loser on our contest as well. They were down 13 nothing before they decided to put Bryson Daly in mm-hmm. at quarterback. That was my whole handicap was I, I got information that Bryson Daly was, was going to play. Champ Harris comes out to start. He sucks. He's bad. They get down 13 nothing, and they say, okay, you're in Daly. Guess what? He was bad, too. I, I mean, it was just it, the, the Army offense is just they suck. Uh, and like you said, the, the stats every year. I mean, if you're playing Service Academy overs, I don't even know. I can't imagine how much money you're down yeah. right now if you're playing the over every year. So I like your best bet here uh, as well. I'm going to go with Boise State plus three at Fresno State for my other best bet here. Boise is four and four so far, but they've had some pretty bad luck. They've lost on a Hail Mary. They lost a game by three that they had a blocked field goal return for a touchdown in. And they lost on a last second field goal in, in three of that's three of their four losses. Fresno sitting at seven and one. And I don't even know if they're good. They've played a extremely weak strength of schedule. Boise's schedule has been pretty brutal, including starting the season with Washington and Central Florida. And the Boise defense is coming off their best game of the year, holding Wyoming to just 112 total yards. A Wyoming team, by the way, that already beat Fresno this season. Fresno's value has gotten out of whack. I think this, the gaudy straight-up record, has made people think Fresno is something that they aren't. They've now failed to cover four straight games. I still have Boise power rated better on a neutral. So getting three on the road, if I'm getting three, it's it's a strong play for me. So Boise plus three at Fresno will be my best bet. All right, I'm going with Ole Miss, and I'm laying the three points here against Texas A&M. Ole Miss is going to look to put all the pressure on Max Johnson in this game. Because the Texas A&M rushing offense has struggled all year, and now they take on an Ole Miss defense that ranks 25th in yards per carry allowed. Um, and because Ole Miss is going to force them to be one-dimensional, that's going to allow them to focus on their pass rush, which is fifth in the nation in sacks. Johnson has been pressured on 48% of his dropbacks this season. Under pressure, he's completing only 40% of his passes. According to Pro Football Focus, Max Johnson has made just one big-time throw when pressured, and he has seven turnover-worthy plays. And on offense, Ole Miss is going to look to create big plays. Jackson Dart has this offense under control. Texas A&M, bottom five in the nation in explosive pass rate allowed. It's only a field goal at home with a better offense, with a better quarterback. I like Ole Miss here against Texas A&M. To put, I think they're going to cover easily. I, I like it as well. Uh, I, and I think, listen, a&M on the road, first thing I do is look to fade them. A&M has lost eight straight on the road outright. Their last road win was at Missouri, the first road game they played in 2021. <laughs> I, I mean, this is a – I've got the better quarterback here. Yep. Um, you know, I, I, the, the Ole Miss is the only way I can look. So uh, I'm with you on that. I, I like both of your best bets this week. So – uh, this should be we've we've got some good some good stuff to work with here uh, when it comes to the contest. Although unfortunately we can't use that that uh, 
under, service game, yeah. service academy under uh, on the contest. But I, I do think we've got some good stuff to choose from here. Even though we did have some disagreement too, which is always good. It helps us uh, helps us eliminate some games and and you know try and narrow down where the winners are. Uh, Scott, great job this week, and I hope you guys took something from it as well. We'll be back next week, week eleven. Week two, as Scott likes to call it, of the uh, college football playoff rankings. And uh, hopefully come back with a nice week, uh, bounce back week, like Penn State is supposed to have on our contest. Uh, Best of luck this week, and we'll talk to you next week.